Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of October 12th through October the 18th. I hope that you're all doing well out there. This week, we're going to be talking about the retrograde station of Mercury as it slows down and appears to reverse course in the sky. Um, we're experiencing Mercury opposing uh, Uranus right now, and we've been kind of having a month of surprises where some unexpected communications have been coming our way, and that has uh, proven to be true so far, I would say. Um, we will also be experiencing the sun moving within a malefic enclosure this week, which is when it is kind of stuck between the two malefic planets, Mars and Saturn. Um, and within that, we're going to see an opposition from the sun to Mars retrograde. And then later in the week, uh, it will be broken up by an, a square to um, Saturn that will move it out of that condition. That malefic enclosure is going to be happening from Tuesday to Sunday. So a little bit of rough sledding for the, for the sun this week. We will also be experiencing a new moon at uh, 23 degrees of Libra, uh, which is very close to the fixed star uh, Spica and the fixed star Arcturus, which two are two pretty positive fixed stars. So we'll talk about those fixed stars and what it means and what, what kind of energies we might be drawing upon with a new moon squared Saturn, but potentially receiving some help. Okay, so let's move over to the planetary condition report. Oh boy, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been, I watched the, um, the, uh, the debates this week. That was fun, if you can call it fun. <laughs> and, uh, Mike Pence's fly, am I right? <laughs> was, I think that fly was the star of the, the debates for sure. Um, I, I got a kick out of all the jokes and memes on social media um, that night and the next day. I think we all needed a little moment of levity uh, with what everything that's been going on, and there's been a lot going on, and you know, not very much of it has been positive. We, as I'm recording this on Friday, oh, what's the day today? Friday the ninth. Um, you know, we're seeing the perfection of the Mars Pluto square, and in my home state of Michigan, we uh, in the news there was a, a foiled um, kidnapping attempt of our governor. Um, by a, I guess you could call it a far-right militia or white supremacist group. Um, so pretty disturbing stuff that we're seeing with that. I thought it was interesting that since Mars was retrograde, the plan did not uh, was not able to be carried out. Um, we will see a uh, this particular aspect happening again uh, at the end of December, on December 23rd. So... Um, curious to see what happens then hopefully nothing too terrible but uh, last week I talked about violence or things erupting from the underworld and corruption and that that certainly bore out with that particular news this week so some sobering stuff in the news some potentially more lighthearted stuff with Mike Pence and his fly um, there was about 18 different Twitter accounts that were made probably many more than that but all within like minutes of that happening um, and I will say, I've been, after talking last week about the movie The Social Dilemma and uh, some of the, the pitfalls of social media and, and being on the internet and things like that, I have 
really tried to reduce my my use. So if you haven't seen me on there as much, uh, that's that's probably a reason why I've been trying to get back to reading more books and kind of doing more meditating and maybe playing some guitar and you know all the things that we need to do to, to keep ourselves healthy and mentally fit and centered and stuff like that. And it's it's been helpful. Um, it's it's not a cure all. I, I will admit it's 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 very seductive to want to um, scroll and see what's happening in the news in real time because there's just so much going on right now. But I think a healthy balance with that and like kind of, you know, maintaining some of your own counsel uh, and not having to be inundated with just information 24-7, that, that's a healthy way to, to go through these next few weeks and months and, and I guess through life as well. Um, I've also been taking in some uh, some really cool classes, mostly about uh, the triplicity rulership or trigon lords, um, one through Bernadette Brady, uh, who was examining how they were used in medieval times, and then another through uh, a really great astrologer named Matthew Kenny, who did a speaker series with Nightlight Astrology, the the um, the group that I've been learning from with Achyuta Bhavadas, and he was talking about it from more of a Hellenistic perspective. It's really interesting to see the, the contrast between those. And I'll talk a little bit about that as we get to the condition report. So, um, so yeah, ch- trying to like balance out your, your intake and your output of how you create from the information that you take in and how you center yourself. Those are all good things to, to work through in these challenging times and in learning stuff. I think that's another healthy way to, to get through this stuff is like just just reskilling and, and learning as much as you can and being open-minded towards new information that could come in that could be useful and practical rather than to, that can set you off of your equilibrium. Okay, so let's get to the planets here. The sun is going to start out um, at 19 degrees of Libra this week and move to 26 degrees Libra. We'll talk about the third decan of Libra and what that entails. Um, it is in its fall, so it is still in a compromised position where it is sort of depressed and, and unable to uh, kind of act out its, its uh, most desired significations like commanding authority, um, you know, individualism and things like that. Um, it will be conjoining the fixed stars Spica and Arcturus at 24 degrees of Libra later on in the week as we move towards our new moon. There are a couple of aspects that are going to be perfecting this week exactly with the sun. So there will be an opposition with Mars retrograde on the 13th. That is Tuesday. Uh, We will see a square with Pluto and Capricorn on the 15th, which is Thursday. And then the sun will square Saturn on the 18th, which is, I believe, Sunday. So really a a real challenging time for the sun. And I was talking about that malefic enclosure. And you can see here, malefic enclosure, it's basically when you have the sun making an aspect to, uh, is in between aspects of the malefic planets. So like, for example, we're going to see this opposition with Mars. And then once it moves past that, it's going to start applying to a square with Saturn, kind of caught in between those two rays. It's like a rock in a hard place, basically. So some real feelings of some difficulty trying to uh, gain vitality this week. We may feel low energy. We may feel like our energy is blocked. We may feel 
depressed. Um, we may feel like there, you know, a lack of hope. Um, but we've got this, like I said, we've got this, this energy with Spica that is very helpful. And I'll break down Spica when we get to our weeklies. Uh, the sun will be in the terms of Jupiter this week from 14 to 21 degrees, and then moving into the terms of Venus from 21 to 28. So it does have benefic bound lords this week. So it will, that's usually uh, a plus in the condition of the planet where the rules that it has to play by are slightly more lenient than if it had a malefic bound lord. Um, one thing I would suggest too is if a planet isn't very, uh, isn't getting a lot of support from its host. And this week, the host of the sun is Venus in its fall in Virgo, to which it's in an aversion relationship. So it can't see its host. So it's not getting any help really from its, its domicile Lord, but it does see its exaltation Lord. And that is Saturn this week. Now, albeit it will see its exaltation Lord by square because the sun is making a square to both Saturn and Jupiter also has, it's making that opposition to Mars. So that's you know, another part of the conversation. But I would say that if you aren't receiving help from Venus, it's domicile Lord, lean into Saturn. So Saturn is exalted in the sign of Libra. So it's its exaltation Lord, as I've said. So kind of how do we support our solar significations? How do we command authority? How do we gain vitality? How do we um, illuminate the light of the mind, right? So the sun's about illumination and finding, I would say, finding truth and finding gnosis or knowledge. Well, we have to lean into Saturn, which is about, you know, kind of uh, honoring contracts and the bonds that we have with one another, um, being very sober, uh, doing the necessary work that needs to be done, uh, whether we like it or not. Um, a lot of times we can lean into Venus when the sun is in Libra, uh, trying to create harmony and trying to create uh, unity with one another and beauty, but that's not really supported at this time. Um, we're going to have to kind of do the hard work. We're going to have to kind of mature and tap into kind of our ancestor selves, right? Our grandparent type selves where we're, you know, maybe putting trying to put down our, our battle gear and, and kind of do things from a, from a perspective of um, experience uh, rather than youthful impetuousness. And I think that's what's going to serve us well with the, the position of the sun this week. So let's move forward to Saturn and talk about its condition. Uh, Saturn is in Capricorn. It is in the 26th degree, and it will show up as 25 Capricorn on your chart. Uh, it is very slow right now. It is still picking up steam after going direct. It will make a square with the sun on the 18th of October. It is in its own domicile and its own terms from 22 to 26 degrees. It is co-present with Jupiter. It will be making that overcoming square by whole sign to Mars in Aries. It will also be receiving the overcoming square from the sun in Libra. It will be making positive contacts with both Venus in Virgo and Mercury in Scorpio. It will be making a trine to Venus and a sextile to Mercury. Uh, 
and it's its own host. So it is being able to draw upon its own resources. So Saturn really is the planet that's in the best shape of any of the planets right now. So when you see a planet that's in good shape and, and able to draw upon all its good stuff, and, and that good stuff is, is debatable with Saturn. I mean, if we think about it from the way that the, Greek, the Greeks thought about it in, in their philosophy, it's not necessarily a value judgment with good and bad. Or if we think about it in more of a Taoist type of perspective, they're really just cycles. And the energy that's supported this week is the energy of contraction the energy of decay, the energy of um, binding, and the energy of uh, the, the season that is about eliminating things from that aren't serving us anymore. So we've got to lean into that. This isn't the greatest time to start a number of new things, even though we have a new moon. Um, I pulled a, um, I did an I Ching reading for the, this week, Kind of, kind of leaning into some other um, oracles, and I've been doing a lot of reading with uh, Jeffrey Cornelius in the Moment of Astrology, and he's talking about different doctrines of how astrology works, and one being the the uh, the Platonic or Ptolemaic, and maybe confusing those two, uh, the doctrine of origin, right, um, where it's kind of like the moment of astrology is based on a initiatory seed moment that's connected with the birth of something. Uh, but he's offering this other type of doctrine, which is called the doctrine of daimon, where we're kind of tapping into a universal intelligence that is guiding us. And uh, sometimes the quality of that intelligence is more clear, and other times it may not be offering um, things that are as useful. So we have to be able to determine whether the voice that we're receiving is is uh, <laughs> true or not. Um, and to me, that lends a lot of credence to be, being able to, I think, it allows me, I think, from my perspective, the flexibility to be able to use things like tarot, like the I Ching, um, you know, like other forms of divination to be able to confirm some of the things I'm seeing in the chart. So the thing with the I Ching I got this week was speaking about innocence and taking action in innocence. And, and to me, what that means is that we have to take the actions that we're going to take without expectations of how it's going to turn out. And especially with this new moon, we may be trying to work something out, um, but we, have to, we're, we may run into some difficulties with what we're trying to work out. But we have to take the action anyway. And without trying to like get so wrapped up in the outcome, because it was talking about like, you're going to have to take the first step and then the next step is going to be shown to you. And I think that's a really important thing about going into this week because it was changing from innocence to conflict. Um, so we may be moving into conflict this week with the malefic enclosure and with this new moon, um, but we kind of just have to take the steps anyway and, and live through it and work our way through it one, one day and one step at a time. Okay, uh, let's move on to Jupiter. Jupiter is in Capricorn this week, moving from 18 to 19 degrees of Capricorn. It will be fast in motion. It has picked up speed again after its retrograde motion a few weeks ago. It's also in its fall. So it's also in a debilitated position. Um, it is in the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees, and it will be 
having all the same aspects that we had with Saturn, uh, co-present with Saturn, squaring Mars, squaring the sun, trined Venus and sextile with Mercury. Its host is Saturn in Capricorn, which it is co-present with. So again, difficult times for, for Jupiter. Uh, we may not be able to expand in the, the way that we want to. We may not be able to tap into our hopefulness in as easy of a manner as we normally could if Jupiter was in a good position. Um, it may be more difficult to come to a consensus and build bridges between us and others. This is one of the other significations of Jupiter is being able to build bridges between between worlds, between others, between relationships. Um, it was also talking about, uh, I was reading a little bit of Vettius Valens after Matthew Kenny's talk. And um, Jupiter was associated with uh, honors. It may be difficult for us to be honored for the things that we're doing. We may be having to do things where we're just having to kind of grind it out in a Saturnian style. We may not be getting the, the, uh, the pat on the back that we normally would associate with the work that we do. And that could be frustrating. Um, but I think what Jupiter says is, you know, you got to start somewhere. You got to start at the bottom and work your way up. So that's what's going on with Jupiter. Mars this week is going to still be retrograde in motion in the sign of Aries, moving backwards from 21 to 19 degrees. We're going to talk a little bit about the second decan of Aries because it will uh, backtrack into a new decan. Uh, when it's retrograde, it's, it's slow in motion. It will be making an exact opposition with the sun on the 13th. Mars is in its own domicile and its own terms from 20 to 25 degrees, and then it will back out of its own bound into the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees. Uh, Mars is making difficult aspects this week. It's making a square to Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn and an opposition with the sun. So it's one of those contributing players in that malefic enclosure of, of the lights this week. So it's its own host, so it's in its own domicile. Venus this week will be uh, in the sign of Virgo, moving from 10 to 19 degrees. It is fast in motion. It will be conjoining the fixed star Zosma at 11 degrees of Virgo on Monday. Zosma has some significations of victimhood, martyrdom, uh, working with the downtrodden. So some of those themes may come up. Zosma was the star in Leo that was in the back. So it was, it's difficult to ride on the back of a wild beast like Leo. So that's uh, part of the reason we have some difficult significations with that particular fixed star. Venus will be making a few exact aspects. It will be making an exact sextile with Mercury on the 12th of October, which is Monday. Um, and it will also be making an opposition with Neptune on the 18th, which is Sunday. There's, there's a, a, a number of interesting dignities with Venus this week. It will be in its fall like, uh, like the Sun and Jupiter, but it does have some alternate dignities. It will be in its own terms from 7 to 17 degrees, uh, and then it will move into the terms of Jupiter from 17 to 21 but it does have triplicity or trigon rulership uh, of the earth signs by day. And it also has face rulership in the second decan of uh, Virgo. So I just got done doing a lot of um, research and learning a lot about this with, with Brady and Kenny. And the thing about Venus this week is we may be going through difficult circumstances with Venus or wherever Venus is placed in your particular chart. 
Um, but we maybe have the support of our peers or the support of our community or of our guild or of the winds. That was a way that the Hellenistic authors thought of it and, and the way that Matthew Kenny so eloquently described it was having the wind in our sa sails. So it's like we're going through difficult circumstances, but we've got, we've got some friends along for the journey that may, we may be able to reach out to for support. So, you know, look, look to Virgo, look to uh, the house that Venus rules, uh, Libra and Taurus, where you may be able to receive some support also. Okay, so there is sort of a, a mitigating factor with Venus this week, even though it is in its fall as well. Venus will be making a whole sign trine to Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn. And again, it will be sextiling Mercury and Scorpio. Uh, the host of Venus this week is Mercury. And Mercury is in Scorpio and it is about to station retrograde. So Mercury is slowing down. It does have, it is able to see its host, but its host is about to um, go into a, a, a circumstance where it is reviewing things and where it's slowing down and it's not able to bring things into being as well as it normally would. Uh, it is sextile, its host, so that is a positive condition. So let's move forward to Mercury. Mercury will be in Scorpio, uh, slowing down to station retrograde on the 13th or Tuesday. It will move then move backward from 11 to 9 degrees of Scorpio. It will be on its own terms uh, from 11 to 19 degrees and then back out into the terms of Venus from 7 to 11 degrees. So there is kind of this exchange of bound lords too between Venus and Mercury as well as we move forward through the week. Mercury will be making a whole sign sextile to Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn as well as Venus in Virgo. Uh, the host for Mercury this week is a retrograde Mars in Aries. Now it is an aversion to that host which means it is unable to see it but we do have some uh, a condition called like in girding where Mercury is in one of the houses that it hosts, that its host rules. So Mars rules both Aries and Scorpio. So there is there are some traditional authors that say that there's some kind of secret ability for Mars to provide resources for Mercury um, when it's in one of the other houses that it rules. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Mercury may not be completely in the dark when it comes to resources. Although I will say, uh, Mars is retrograde, excuse me. So this is kind of a, it's still, it's difficult. There may be, um, there may be some challenges with our communications and the way that we are trying to create um, consensus and exchange information. Mercury in the first and second decan of, of Scorpio uh, talks about really deep bonds, um, especially in that second decan of Scorpio. Uh, you know, Austin Coppett called that Deccan uh, an apparatus for mutual distillation, where we're kind of exchanging energy and, and uh, for better or for worse. So this is the kind of energy of like echo chambers. So we have to be careful not to get into an echo chamber where we're only exchanging ideas with people that we agree with, or people that potentially could be exacerbating some of the more negative tendencies we could have and th more negative thought processes we could have. Um, I think we saw that play out with like this, you know, 
foiled uh, kidnapping attempt with the governor of Michigan, there was a group of people that probably were on social media sites that, uh, you know, through the algorithm that I described last week and through the, um, through the system itself only showing them certain types of information, it probably brought their anger to a fever pitch. And because they were only probably communicating with other people of like mind, that, that mutual distillation became a poison. Okay. So this, it also works in the opposite way too. If we, if we surround ourselves with people that are um, good for us and positive and cheerleaders and, and are, you know, bringing out the best in us, that can, that can be useful. Although I will, I will caution you that a lot of the times we feel like we're the heroes of our own story. So I would, I think on some level, these Michigan militia folks did not think of themselves as, as uh, you know, enemies. Okay. They didn't think of themselves as villains. They probably thought of themselves as heroes and patriots and the heroes of their own story. And even though we can see as a society that their violence would have led to uh, something very bad, um, something very corrupt, uh, because they were, you know, building each other up to be that the hero of that story, you know, that may have led them down a path that uh, led to a lot of ignorance. And so I, I would really ca caution you to get multiple opinions, check in with people in your life. Um, there's this really great website that I've been uh, using to get my news lately called allsides.com. And it's basically a, a news media site that shows you one particular headline from multiple sources. So like, in, 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 for example, like President Trump's health, they have one that is from the, the far right, one from the center and one from the far left or, or various different sources. And they show you where, what kind of um, headline you're seeing. And I thought that was, it's brilliant because it really shows you how the same information um, becomes, can become twisted from the source that you're receiving it. And I, I really do think it is valuable to see how uh, we may be receiving our information and how, how other people are receiving their information so we can sort of understand what they may be taking in that may be leading to them getting angry and upset. And I think that's one of the first steps towards diffusing conflict with other people. Because if we've gotten riled up by re receiving our news, like let's say from a very liberal source, and then we engage or try to engage with a conversation with someone who has received their news from a very uh, conservative source. I mean, we're already at a point of conflict because we've already been polarized by the news itself. And it makes it very difficult to find consensus and harmony with people. And I've been doing a lot of meditating on this because ultimately what I want to see is people, you know, get, get back together again and people start to get along with one another again because nobody wants to live in this conflict. I mean, I know that there are some people that want to sow the seeds of division, but that's, that's not my aim. That's not the way I want to live out my life. So, you know, I've been thinking about how do we begin to piece this back together? And I, I, I can't stress enough uh, learning to become less biased in the way that we receive our information and really check ourselves for our own biases, whether we are liberal, conservative, centrist, all of it. 
because it, it does make a difference. Um, try, trying to truly become as objective as possible is worth a worthwhile endeavor, and it will allow you to be able to begin to have empathy for the people that you are disagreeing with. Um, I know that's a difficult thing to have right now, um, and I, I, I have you know gotten into conflicts with people lately about having empathy for people that we disagree with, and you know, I talked last week about with President Trump and, and him being sick. I will say that gentleman makes it very difficult to have sympathy for um, because of his continued actions uh, as far as the hubris involved. I, it's tough. I, I began the week feeling like mm, it's tough for anyone to be sick. I don't wish ill health on anyone because it is difficult to that it, just our shared humanity really but when somebody you know really tries to uh the difficult part that I, that was for me as I move forward through the week was seeing him you know my hope my, my maybe naive hope was that maybe that that experience would humble him and would ha help him to have compassion for other people and it, it, it kind of played out that it really didn't, and that he, he just basically uh, did not follow a lot of the advice of medical professionals, left the hospital early, continued to expose his staff and the people around him to the virus, which is very selfish and very dangerous. And it, that's very frustrating from someone who is really reaching hard for compassion for people that I disagree with. And, but I can really see the arguments now of people that are like, I don't feel sorry for him uh, because he continues to like put other people in danger and to say things like don't take the virus seriously and it's not that bad, which puts other people at risk. And I, I, can, I can really see the perspective of people that were like, you know what, I don't feel bad for this guy because he just continues to endanger other people's lives. And I... I I agree with that perspective at this point. Um, and I wish he would just stop. I wish he would, uh, I don't know. I wish we could all just kind of, you know, figure out a way to, to respect one another and respect one another's health and one another's viewpoints and things like that without putting each other in danger. And I think that's the key. Like if our belief systems start to endanger other people, we really have to examine that belief system and maybe begin to shift it. Um, there, it's one thing to have freedom of thought and freedom of action, but we live in a society where we have to have some sort of agreed upon realities so that we're not putting each other at risk. And your own freedom of action and movement if that's putting someone else at risk, it's, uh, it's something that, that is not going to be functional as far as how we, we, we work with one another in a society. And we're still seeing this with, this, with the, the Mars square to Saturn, the overcoming square of Saturn to Mars, where our individual desires to take action are still having to be tempered through considering whether those actions are uh, function within a social context. 
And some of those things might really come to a head with the sun making uh, the opposition to Mars and then the square to Saturn. All right. So finishing up the planetary condition report and some thoughts, uh, the moon this week will be waning from its last quarter phase where we may be reconsidering some of our actions from the last uh, lunar cycle. And it will then become new again on Friday the 16th. It will then begin to wax and we'll get to, you know, the end of the new moon phase, but we aren't going to reach another eightfold like Dane Ridyard type lunar phase by the end of the week. It will still be the new moon phase. The moon is moving fast this week, as you can see in our little cheat of putting the black moon Lilith or the lunar apogee here in the chart and seeing if it's uh, far away or close to that point. Uh, when the moon is far away from the lunar apogee, it's moving quickly. The closer it gets to that point, it slows down. So that's one little hack that you can do to see if the moon is fast or slow in your, in your chart. And that's something that my partner, Tanya Andrews, to, uh, you know, got me hip to that she learned from uh, an astrologer named Ursula, who uh, some of you may know from Twitter, Ursula Rising, a very good uh, astrological magician and um, somebody who works with these types of things uh, to great effect. So yeah, the moon will be peregrine in Leo to start the week. It will then move into Virgo where it has that communal trigonal support. Um, it will be in Libra where it has dignity by face in the first decan. And then it'll move into its fall in Scorpio. So that's what we've got for our planetary condition this week. So let's move forward to our daily report. And I will shift over my notes here. And I have to be careful that when I shift over to my screens that I don't uh, stop sharing because I did that last week, I realized for three of the days. So please forgive me for that for not first <laughs> staring off to the side at my notes while I thought I was showing you a screen. But, you know, stuff happens. You know, Mercury is slowing down. But let's do this. Let's go forward to Monday, and I will start to show you what's going on for the week. Okay, so on Monday, October the 12th, uh, we're going to start off with the moon in Leo in the last quarter phase. And you can see we had that last quarter phase uh, that is happening really today as I record this with the moon in Cancer squaring the sun in Libra. So that is a position that they talked about, like Dane Rudyard talked about, uh, an existential crisis where we may be reconsidering um, the actions that we took at the last lunar cycle and kind of uh, starting to let go of things to prepare us for a new start. So we're continuing that, even though we are seeing harmony between the lights on Monday. So there will be a sextile between the moon and the sun at 7.09 a.m. At, at 19 degrees of Leo and, and Libra. And then the only other lunar aspect of the day is we will see the moon making a trine to Mars retrograde at 9.29 a.m. Eastern time at 21 degrees of Leo and Aries. We do have a couple uh, non-lunar things happening. I would say that the, uh, the first thing that we have is a sextile between 
Jupiter and Neptune that's going to be perfecting at three o'clock in the morning or so at 18 degrees of Capricorn and Pisces. So that's going to color our day. Um, this may be where we're really, you know, trying to work out a, an idealistic vision or project. Uh, we may be having faith in some kind of grandiose plan that we're trying to work out. Uh, we have to be careful that we don't over-idealize uh, the blueprints that we're working on. And I say blueprints because the second decan of, of Capricorn shows uh, three figures working together uh, to build something grandiose, like a pyramid. And that's what Austin Coppett calls this decan, the pyramid. So we may be trying to work together with others on some sort of project at the beginning of this week. Uh, and we have to really be careful that we don't overdo it. Um, Jupiter and Capricorn is, you know, I, in the research that I've done recently, is associated with economic downturns. Um, with It was associated with, uh, you know, the Occupy Wall Street uh, movement the last time and with the crash of the housing market 12 years ago. Uh, and of course, the economic downturn we're experiencing now with COVID. Uh, and, and throughout history, we've seen that. So it is, a, it is a time to start from a lowered position. Uh, it is not a time to like have the big, huge uh, dream that, that isn't supported by the reality that's surrounding you right now. The reality of our situation is that we do have limitations in place. We do have an economic downturn happening, regardless of what the politicians are trying to spoon feed you right now in an effort to get reelected or to get elected or whatnot. Um, so being able to utilize that reality, the, the other reality is, is that we still have limitations as far as the movement that we are able to do within society because of COVID, how many people are able to be get together, uh, the resources that we may actually be able to have to start our businesses or our projects or whatever as well. We may not also have the psychological resources to, to enact these grandiose plans either. I mean, think about your mental state over the last six to 12 months here. If you're anything like me, it's, been, it's definitely fluctuated and there's been a lot of weight heaviness, Saturnian, you know, type of energy that we've had to experience that has really dampened a lot of our enthusiasm and our, and our faith lately. And you have to consider that we're still going to be moving through experiences that may make it difficult to have the type of hope and sustained enthusiasm to work through big plans. That doesn't mean we won't, don't have any it just means that we have to really be conscious that our, our level of being able to put energy towards growth and expansion right now may be compromised. So that's what we've got with the sextile with Neptune. And Neptune can be a planet that will lead to a lack of energy sometimes, a lack of physical energy. We may, we may be experiencing uh, more imagination, more internal energy as far as like, like idealization. But I, from my personal experience, anytime I've experienced a Neptune contact, the, the material reality suffers a little bit. And because there is this desire for this escapism, this transcending physical reality, 
Now, if you have a spiritual practice that may energize you in a different way. Um, but just be careful that you're not overly idealizing what you're trying to do. I think that's the gist of this contact, even though it is a harmonious contact between, between the two, excuse me. The other aspect that we have for the day that perfects at 1238 PM is Venus is going to be sextiling Mercury at 11 degrees of Virgo and 11 degrees of Scorpio. Now, this is interesting because 11 degrees of Virgo is a prominent fixed star that we talked about in the planetary condition report called Zosma. Here it is right here. Okay. And let's, let's experiment with this right here. My, my teacher, Achutabhava, has these beautiful circles that he draws. <laughs> there it is. Oh, so much more, <laughs> so much more aesthetically satisfying than uh, the other things that we have. And what it's going to be doing, let's draw another circle. There is our other circle. It's going to be making a sextile between, isn't that pretty? Okay. Between Mercury and uh, Venus. So this particular aspect, um, it's a harmonious aspect where we may be having some harmonious communications or harmonious exchanges. You know, Mercury talks about all types of exchanges. It could be monetary exchanges. It could be exchanges of ideas. It's anything where we're moving from one particular reality to another and crossing boundaries. Um, we may be having harmonious conversations surrounding uh, efficiency uh, because of this Venus in Virgo placement. Um, we could be trying to team up on some practical or tangible project, project which we talked about with the context of Jupiter and, uh, and Neptune uh, earlier here. Now, the, the problem, the challenge is that Mercury is stationing uh, this week, so there could be a potential for a standstill. The conversations that you have, you may feel a little bit of frustration because they may not feel like they're, they're going anywhere. Um, I have a friend that is a really good uh, kind of, I would say, like a, a, a cheerleader or support person, and they've been trying to get me to do a class for the last few weeks, um, months maybe even, and uh, I really appreciate the efforts of, of my friends and, and their encouragement, so I, I want to give them a shout out for that. Um, but I'm probably frustrating them because I've been a little bit elusive, mostly because I am doing more research and I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm just not quite ready to launch something like that. And that may be the kind of the, the energy that we, where we have, where we're trying to team up, we're trying to support one another, but there's just some detail that hasn't really worked itself out yet that we may feel frustrated with, that we may have to go back and review as Mercury goes backwards. Now, these, these two decans, you know, Venus being the in the decan that is concerned with encapsulating matter or spirit into matter, okay? So we're trying to bring something into form. And, and Mercury is in the decan where we're trying to have some these exchanges with one another that are hopefully fruitful, right? Where we're, where we're really bonding in a deep and emotional way. So you may have situations in your life where you're feeling like you want to exchange information or, or 
bring a project to fruition, but it may be not happening as fast as you want it to. And that's okay. Sometimes we have to just be patient, uh, recognize that um, we are, you know, within some challenging astrology right now and just do the best we can day to day. Um, that being said, I love all my friends and I, I appreciate their encouragement. And I hope that they keep doing that because I, I have a tendency to always need more info and <laughs> maybe have some self-doubt that creeps in sometimes before I launch something. So I want I do want to shout out to them that I, I do appreciate that help and keep 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 pushing me because it is some it is something that I want to want to do eventually. Let's talk a little bit about Zosma though, because that plays into our story here. Zosma is the let's let's switch over briefly here, and I'm going to get rid of my annotations, my beautiful uh, shapes that I have here. Um, so what we've got here is we're going to see Venus right here, okay, and it's going to be hanging out in the area that is represented by Leo and tropical Leo, even though we're in the, I'm sorry, the tropical Virgo, but the constellation of Leo, okay? So here's Zosma at the back, on the back of Leo. And this is a, you know, a, a very, Leo is a, is a constellation with mythology that speaks about uh, kind of an animal nature and untamed wildness and, you know, if think about if you were trying to ride on the back of a lion, um, it wouldn't be very smooth sailing. Uh, so there is some associations with with victimhood, martyrdom, feelings of alienation uh, are come up with Zosma. I like to use the key words uh, catharsis with with Venus. So we could think about catharsis through maybe working with the downtrodden or through service to others. I have some clients that have some prominent Zosma placements and they work or, or do creative work about people maybe on the fringes of society that have gone through difficult experiences. So you can use this energy to, to give, to, to care give for others, um, but resisting the urge really to use guilt to, to get someone to love you or to work with you or to create some sort of consensus or unity. I think that's the, the risk of this position is saying, well, if you loved me, you know, you would do this or saying, oh, I'm, I'm so upset, you know, you need to do this to like, you know, help me or whatever. So try not to use, uh, try not to manipulate people into feeling sorry for you with this position. That is, I think that's one of the, the dangers. And in our relationships, that could be something we experience too, especially with that exchange with Mercury. We could be just exchanging sob stories with one another. <laughs> that might not be healthy either. Uh, so just be aware that that's something that we could see on Monday as well. Now, the last thing that we see on Monday, and this happens around five o'clock in the evening is that the sun moves into the third decan of Libra. Okay, this happens around 5.19 p.m. And you could see in the, in the third decan of Libra, uh, this is a place in the zodiac. And we talked about this a little bit before when Mercury moved into this position. But it is a place of trying to find peace and centeredness. 
It is represented by the four of swords in the tarot. Uh, it is ruled by Jupiter and Mercury in the Chaldean and the triplicity system. Those are its face rulers, okay? Uh, it is hosted by, by Venus, which is in aversion right now. So remember, it's difficult to get uh, help from Venus. Book T called this rest from strife. Book of Toth called it truce. And Austin Coppett calls it a gyroscope. So this is, this is really this part of Libra. If we take the narrative that happens, you know, in the first 10 degrees and then into the second, te second 10 degrees and then in the third, we have an awareness of imbalance and inequality and unfairness in the first decade. Uh, we are judging whether something is fair or not, right? With, with Mott and the Two of Swords. We move into the, the second decade where we are dealing with... Um, trying to understand the contractual agreement that we are a part of and potentially try to rebalance it and, and think about the bonds that we have where we are either recommitting to certain bonds that we have or severing ties. Okay. So there is some heartbreak associated with second decade of Libra too, because it is a place of the Zodiac where, you know, Vindemiatrix, the Widowmaker is where we are, you know, severing some ties. It's a, I believe that that particular decade uh, is, uh, I think it's, there's a, it's Mars ruled. Um, don't quote me on that. It may be Saturn. It may be double Saturn. Let me see. I want to be clear on this. Yeah. But anyway, let's, let's, let's move on from that. So I don't have to kind of bore you with over getting overly technical. Hold on a second. This is actually going to bother me. Yeah, it's the, the second decade is Saturn ruled. Okay, so right, we're, that's where we're testing bondages, bindings, agreements. Sometimes we have to let them go. Sometimes there's endings. Saturn is associated with endings as well and with death. So it's natural that we may end some of our commitments when the sun is in that second decade. Now, when we move into the third decade, it's like we've gone through and we've figured out what needed to stay and what needed to go. And we have this, this rest period. And it doesn't mean that there's complete peace around us, it means that we may have, have found that equilibrium point within ourselves. Okay, so th that is key, because this week is going to be tumultuous. The, the, the sun is in that malefic enclosure, uh, starting on Tuesday. And what we're going to need to do with our awareness with the lights of our minds with the, the to create vitality, okay, is to find that peaceful center, the, the hub of the wheel, okay? Remember with astrology, we have this wheel that's going round and round, but it's going around a center. And the, the more enlightened uh, of the folks that practice this have a spiritual practice where they are not allowing themselves to get tossed about by the twists and turns or the ups and downs of the wheel of fortune. If you think about this zodiac as a wheel of fortune, sometimes we're at the top. Sometimes we are being honored for what we do, right? Sometimes we are at the bottom, all right? So we, sometimes we're, we've got, you know, honors for what we're doing. Other times we're hidden away from society and nobody knows what we're doing and we're just grinding away 
behind the scenes sometimes with the sixth house here. Other times we're just taking a rest in the 12th house. Sometimes we're questioning, you know, why we're doing what we're doing if we've got some ninth house stuff going on. Uh, so there's all sorts of different ways to be. And at this particular time, uh, we, we just can't get uh, fixated on what part of the wheel that we're at. Because as a society, right now, we're kind of in the doldrums where there's all sorts of chaos happening around us. There's a new news story every single day that could potentially threaten to throw us off of our equilibrium. And what we're being asked to do is maintain that center despite all of the events that are circling around us. Now, that may look different for everybody. Maybe it looks like you meditate in the morning. Maybe it looks like you are committed. Remember, remember what we're doing with the sun. Because it's an aversion to its host, Venus, we want to lean into Saturn. We want to commit to something. We want to like do the hard work. We want to like do something that may not be always fun, but we have to do it. And Saturn is also associated with hermits, hermeticism, you know, getting away from it all sometimes, isolation. We may have to isolate on some level. And maybe if it's just isolating from all the noise in the collective right now, because there are particular times where the collective is much noisier than at other times. And the leader that we have right now in America is one of the noisiest leaders that we've ever had, probably in the history of time. And he's constantly adding more and more, you know, I don't know. He's adding noise to the collective. And that can be seductive, you know, but, you know, I think about the vice presidential debate that we just experienced and how, you know, it was, it wasn't as noisy. It wasn't, it wasn't quite as an anxiety producing as the one with Trump and Biden, which, which I appreciated, excuse me. Uh, but th those were two human beings that actually still had at least some modicum of human decency towards one another. That doesn't mean that I support like what Pence was saying. Um, I, I happen to be much more liberal in my politics and a lot of what he was saying was, in my opinion, was garbage and not true and uh, made me upset, but it was, it was in a different way. It wasn't as visceral, I guess, as like the way that Trump makes it feel. Trump has just an, an ability to like rile us up, whether in support of him or in, against him. When I, when I was viewing the presidential debate a few weeks ago, I felt literally like I was being attacked, you know, like energetically attacked. And it was painful. I could, feel, I could literally feel it in my chest. And I didn't feel that with this, this particular debate. Um, and I think that that's more of a normal way of relating. And I think that we have to find a way to get to that peaceful center. Because, you know, we are going to be energetically attacked if we really get fixated on the news. And if we let the news, and if we let a guy like Donald Trump, for better or for worse, dictate our emotional state, why give him that power? 
why give anybody that power? I mean, I think that's really the key. Are you going to let external circumstances dictate your inner equilibrium? Now, that does not discount that definitely outer circumstances can change our fortune. They can change, you know, our, our jobs. They can change, you know, our rights. They can change the laws that, you know, make it easier or more difficult for us to get support. But ultimately, there has to be some sort of inner place that none of that can touch. And I think that's really what we're, what we're looking for with the sun in this particular decade. So whatever it is that you need to do to find that peaceful center, highly encourage you to, to embrace that. And here's what I've been doing. I've been limiting my exposure as much as I can, because it's, it's seductive, I will say, especially with all these things happening, we're kind of on like, you know, presidential COVID watch and, and all, you know, election watch right now. It's, it's seductive. It's a, it's a time where there are important things that are happening in the, in, in our, in our society. And uh, it is, I do think it is important to be informed, but to, to a certain degree, there has to be boundaries and limits around that. Okay. Remember Saturn creating boundaries, healthy boundaries right now. So that, to me, that looks like I'm going to limit the time that I scroll through the news. I don't have to be on my phone all day long. I can put my phone down. I can read a book. I can be in my own headspace. I can go and take a walk and get some exercise. Okay. I can choose not to get notifications on my phone. I can say, the, I'm not going to read the news after a certain time at night. That's a big one. I know a lot of my friends out there have been having trouble sleeping because they'll read a news story late at night and they'll just be chewing on it. I, I was guilty of doing that for a long time too. But now I'm kind of like, you know what? 8.30 rolls around. I am not checking the news. I don't care if something big happens. I can learn about that in the morning. And that will help me sleep better. I've also just stopped really, you know, engaging with my screens and started to pick up a book at about eight o'clock as much as I can. I, sometimes I want to have some conversations with some people that I know or, or, or have some interactions with groups I'm a part of. But for the most part, you know, you know, shutting down from technology at a certain point in your day or not engaging with your technology or the news what before you do some of your ritualistic, you know, healthy health promoting things in the morning too. Maybe you have a, a rule that you don't check your phone until 10 a.m. or something like that, and you don't check it after 8 p.m. That's going to give you the strength to be able to deal with the changes that are happening in real time right now. I've noticed also that if I get better sleep, I'm much more able to handle the ups and the downs that we're experiencing as a collective. And I would highly suggest that you most, <laughs> the, the card says it all, rest from strife. You got to get good sleep at this time, or you just won't have the energy to be able to deal with what's coming at us right now. And what's coming at us right now is, is hard. So get good sleep, eat well, take care of yourself and, and don't, feel guilty for taking a time out every once in a while, because ultimately that's going to recharge your battery 
to be able to, to engage and to deal with the, the ups and the downs. Just because we connect with the center doesn't mean that we're completely escaping or ignoring the world around us. That is also a mistake. We have to still do what is required of us, but at the same time, know that we don't have to do we don't have to engage with this 24 seven. That's part of the problem with Twitter and things like that is we're dealing with everybody's pain and everybody's voice all the time if we want to. And that's not how we were evolved to, to be as human beings. Um, sometimes we need to shut down just like nature does. We, we can't constantly be growing or feeding a plant. We have to let the plant absorb the nutrients and, and, turn it into something useful. Just like if we absorb some information, maybe we go off and we meditate on it and we see, is it useful or isn't it? And then we can get rid of it if it doesn't resonate with us, or we could utilize it to take action if it does. Okay. I think that's what I've got for Monday. So let's move on to Tuesday. I'm going to flip my notes over here. Okay. Tuesday, we start getting, uh, we have a big day on Tuesday, the 13th. Okay. We have a big, this is a big week. Uh, I know that I'm encouraging you really to take care of yourself, but there is a lot of things going on. Don't let it, don't let it uh, trip you up though. Sometimes that's just the way it is. So let's move forward. So on Tuesday, October the 13th, the moon starts out in Virgo at 12.55 a.m. or moves into Virgo at 12.55 a.m. We're moving from our last quarter phase into the balsamic phase. And that is the 45 degrees before the new moon where we are you know, letting go of everything. We, we had maybe a change of heart and now we are just consolidating all the lessons, all of the experiences into the seed that is going to be planted at the new moon uh, at 23 degrees of Libra at the, at the end of the week. Now, the moon is going to be making a trine to retrograde Uranus at 4.35 p.m. Uh, this is going to be you know, activating the point where we had the Mercury opposition with uh, Uranus as well. So this is that's going to just kind of bring us uh, a little bit of a maybe some insight into that Mercury-Uranus opposition that's bringing us surprises as we've been going forward. Uh, Mercury will then sextile uh, the moon at 8.19 p.m. at 11 degrees of Virgo and Scorpio. Okay, so this is, you know, the last contact, I believe, that we receive before Mercury goes retrograde. And then at 10.54 p.m., uh, the moon will conjoin Venus at 13 degrees of Virgo. So two other non-lunar things happening on Tuesday. The first thing that we have to uh, unpack is that Mercury will be slowing down and stationing retrograde at 9.04 p.m. So Mercury has been in, in its shadow. That's the point where it's going to retrace its steps. Uh, since September the 23rd, it moved into its shadow at 25 degrees of Libra. So if you think back to all the things you've been dealing with mercurial-wise, okay, uh, any communications, any commerce, any exchanges that you've been involved in, go back to the 23rd of September and recognize that you may be revisiting some of those exchanges, especially in 
the house that is ruled by Scorpio in your chart and that is ruled by Libra. Okay, so go back and look at those areas and those topics of your life to see where some of the changes may be coming or some of the revisions, some of the movement may be happening or lack of movement. Okay, uh, so Mercury will uh, go through a couple of interesting phases at, during this retrograde cycle. Okay, the first thing that happens is on the 18th of October, Mercury is going to move under the sun's beams. So now we have Mercury moving backwards, okay, against the grain of the zodiac in uh, primary motion, the motion of the sun that is more like the motion of the divine, okay? We have secondary motion in, in zodiacal order is related to the moon where forms come into being and pass out of being. This, this divine motion is more about like kind of like the cosmos is in control. The planet isn't necessarily control and in control anymore. These are divine course corrections. These are things where we may have a desire to move forward with something related to that particular planet, but there may be a, a detail that we missed that we really have to go back and, and is being corrected before we can move forward in a, in a, a more, in a way that where we have a greater awareness of maybe spirit or something of that nature. So Mercury is going to move under the sun's beams on Sunday the 18th. That means that it, it becomes invisible. And you can think about this as Mercury uh, going into the underworld. So it becomes invisible. It's about to have a Kazemi moment where it conjoins the sun on the 25th of October at two degrees of Scorpio. So that's when the, the, where Mercury is like in the furnace of, of the divine where it is gaining knowledge. It's being infused with vitality and power for its next cycle. It's a rebirth of Mercury. So it's going into the underworld to, to, to retrieve something. That is Mercury's role as the psychopomp. It's leading the soul into the underworld, right? So it's leading us into the underworld of our lives. And with, with Scorpio, we may be really going deep with this. This, this is Mercury and Scorpio psychopomp as we're going really into the depths of our minds, of our, of our subconscious, and really trying to find the valuable information and the valuable skills that we need to be able to move forward. And it may necessitate letting go of some things since uh, Mer Mercury is in a Mars-ruled sign. It is the nocturnal domicile of, of Mars, Scorpio is. And it may also be about examining how we are merging our consciousness with one another and if that is healthy or not, okay? So we're really going to be examining some of the deep uh, unions that we have that are bonded unions and are they really serving us? And, and, and we can also think about uh, desire with Scorpio. Is, are the things that we desire healthy for us? Um, this access with Taurus and, and Scorpio, I think that we desire material things in, in Taurus and we're really like, you know, Venus is in her own uh, temple where she wants, she lets things come to her and like is adorned with all these things. Venus is in, in her exile in Scorpio. Okay. So I know we're talking about Mercury here, but let's think about how we're, how we can think about Scorpio. Um, Desire is, is not necessarily 
it, we're not allowing things to come to us. We're pursuing stuff in Scorpio. We may be pursuing things that aren't necessarily good for us. So I think if we think about this seasonally too, that that Scorpio period of time is when, you know, at least in the Northern hemisphere, we're letting go of things where things are in a state of decay. So if we think about it from maybe a psychological perspective, Scorpio may be an area of the Zodiac where we're learning to let go of unhealthy attachments. And you can see this in that first decan of Scorpio card, where some a figure is mourning the loss of something, but realizing that there's something, you know, he still has something behind him. He still has those two cups if he'd only shift towards gratitude. And maybe it's, you know, we're mourning the loss of a, a habit or an association that wasn't healthy. And if we shifted perspective and, and found that gratitude for the people in our lives that still remain after we've eliminated what was unhealthy, that can lead us to that path of fulfillment. Okay. And Mercury is going to retrograde back into this five of pentacles area, the first decan. So we may have to be revisiting some things that we thought we let, let go of that we maybe really didn't, that we kind of like made the first overtures to like let go of something, but we may be having to revisit some of those losses to really process them so that we can integrate that knowledge and maybe truly leave some of those uh, attachments behind, okay? Because sometimes that's where the suffering comes from is being too attached to something and being unwilling to let go of it. I think what Mars really does well in Scorpio is sever attachments from things that aren't good for us. <laughs> you know, I think that's part of its job there. Mars severs. Mars, you know, helps us to get rid of things. Okay. Uh, in its masculine domicile of Aries, we may be taking action and severing ourselves from others to be able to individuate to say, this is who we are, right? And, and we reject what we aren't so we can build a new world and we can build a new identity. In Scorpio, we say this is who we aren't, so we can kind of like return, I think, back to a, a centered place. We say, this isn't good for me. I I've need to separate myself from this. So uh, that's one just one interesting way of thinking of Scorpio. All right. So Mercury is going to Kazemi on the 25th. It is going to station direct on November the 3rd, which is election day at 25 degrees of Libra. So again, a lot of astrologers are predicting that we may not really understand who the president is by the end of election day because Mercury is standing still. And a planet that's stationary is not doing anything. It's just stuck. So, and that, that seems to track out with the way things are going right, right now, especially with, you know, mail-in mail ballots and the necessity to allow potentially another week or two for ballots to come in to count all of those. We've, of course, got the drama with, with Trump and, and is he going to accept the results and all of that. But I think, you know, if we just look at it without his blathering, you know, just the fact that we have to count more um, mail-in ballots than we normally would in a, in a regular election year is probably going to delay the results uh, as well. So if you know that going in and astrology is, gives you the gift of foresight, you won't be freaking out if we don't know who the president is on election day. And you'll be like, that's just, you know, that's just what's happening. And that's, we're, we're taking the time to relax and count the votes and not have, 
you know, not get all upset, not, not react in anger, just saying this is part of the process this time around that has to play out. Um, now, that being said, the other non-lunar aspect of Tuesday the 13th is the sun will be making an opposition to Mars retrograde. Okay, so let's take a look at what we've got here. So using our beautiful new tools, we have um, the sun right here. Oops, let me get rid of that. Now I'm going to get all anal retentive about it. So we have the, the sun that's going to move to 21 degrees, okay, eventually. I'm not going to move it here, but... And then Mars at 21 degrees of, of the Libra-Aries axis. And then we're going to see an opposition that is going to perfect, okay? This is going to perfect around 7.05, 7.25 p.m., okay? Around 7, 7 to 7.30 in the evening. We're going to be feeling it, uh, the buildup to it, probably in the beginning of the week. And this is when the sun enters the malefic enclosure. Now, let me just show you what's going on with that. The malefic enclosure is, is this is what's happening. Once the sun moves beyond the, the, the ray or the aspect ray of, of uh, Mars, it's going to move within the aspect ray of Saturn, okay? So it's kind of like uh, Mars is casting a ray behind the sun, okay? And Saturn is casting a ray in front of the sun. And there is this point here, okay, where basically it's stuck, okay? There's this, this area here where it's like, oh my God, the sun is like stuck between Mars back here and Saturn over here, the two malefics, the two the two planets that are not conducive to vitality and life. We already have the sun in its fall. So this is a, this is a, a kind of a, we're going to start off probably feeling angry because of the sun's opposition with Mars. There's some sort of injustice that, it, that threatens or some action, some violence, some self-directed action that may threaten to, to destabilize our equilibrium with the third decan sun and Libra. So we may have this awareness of some sort of compromise that we're being forced to make or that someone is forcing us to make by acting selfishly. Uh, and this could be, you know, you know, this, uh, what's his name? Ren Butler talks about rugged individualism confrontations with authority figures since the sun was one of the universal signifiers of like the universal or the archetypal father or an archetypal authority figure or the king. So we may see the king in this case, probably someone like Trump doing something that uh, aggravates us or is, is having to deal with some kind of severance or separation. And that may create anger um, I know that we are leading up to, during this period of time, the second presidential debate at the middle of the week. As of Friday, uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates decided to do it as a virtual, like almost like a Zoom meeting, due to concerns about the president's health. Uh, 
Trump has refused to participate in that and has scheduled as of today, some sort of virtual rally, I guess, uh, that's going to take place. And, and Biden, from what I understand, is going to do the town hall type of, you know, thing next week. Now that could change, uh, especially with Mercury going retrograde. And I have a feeling, I, I don't know, I have a feeling that a person like Donald Trump is not going to allow his opponent to have a national stage that he isn't on. Um, so, or I'm curious if that would even happen. You know, I think that he's the type of personality that, you know, has to be front and center. And, and you know, I think that it would drive him crazy not to be on that stage with Joe Biden. Um, now, we could also say, too, that this may be a point in time where the president's health may not be uh, at its best either, even though he has gone on television and told everybody that he's fine or whatnot, and that he's got these wonderful new drugs or whatever. Um, it's not a guarantee. I mean, we, we've seen that he's been, hasn't been forthcoming with the truth in a lot of different situations, and he may not be forthcoming with the truth of his condition as well. And the condition of the king is really, really compromised in the malefic enclosure and in its fall. So that may be indicative of him just maybe having a relapse as well. Now, I do know that his time lord this year, his perfected annual time lord is Venus. And Venus is, is moving through its fall. So there is, you know, he's not in the best shape right now. So I, I could see that being something that comes up too. We, we also have the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, talking about the 25th Amendment today and making a plan for some sort of succession of power if, if the president is no longer able to, to you know, enact his duties. So we'll see. I, I don't know. It, it could be a number of different things. We can kind of get the gist of the archetype, but a lot of times the archetype is going to surprise us. It, it, you know, I think that what I've learned from Jeffrey Cornelius is um, we have, as, as astrologers and as diviners, we get to participate in the process. It's, I, he, he's making a very strong argument that it's not just, um, it isn't just, this isn't all just happening in some like objective vacuum. It's not like the planets are putting out, you know, causal effects, right? And people will disagree with me on this. This is definitely an argument that happens and has been happening since Aristotle. Uh, but he's kind of like, you know, we are, we participate in those symbols and we participate in assigning meaning to them and in being able to like interpret what they're saying. And, you know, we, we do have to be careful to try to be as objective as we can with that. I also think too, though, certain symbols are going to speak louder than others. And a lot of times we will have a symbol crop up like the fly, right? That was a symbol. Um, and if you are of a particular, uh, I don't know, mindset, uh, flies are associated with decay. Um, they are, they literally feed on, uh, fecal matter and, uh, there was some significations in ancient times with um, dishonesty and, and potential corruption of 
leadership when a fly was present on like a priest or something like that. I was reading this, a quote the other day about that. Um, so you could potentially, and this was at a point when Pence was really uh, talking about or denying the fact that there was systemic racism in America and saying that racism really wasn't a problem in America, <laughs> which, which, you know, even, even the most, uh, <laughs> I don't know, denier of, of truth, you're going to have a hard time defending that one. So that was pretty much the, the, the bullshit moment of the night. And the fly was attracted to that, I think. So that was a symbol that was kind of extrin extrinsically giving us meaning. Whereas when we're looking at a chart here, what we're doing is almost the reverse. We're looking at the symbols and trying to guess what is going to happen. So, you know, we have to be careful about that too, because this, it, it does, I think it goes both ways in that, in that regard. Um, but like again, the malefic enclosure is a really difficult time for the sun. Uh, you may really just feel a lack of energy, especially in the, um, the house that the sun is in, the Libra house. Uh, in your chart or the house that it rules, which is, is Leo. So look at those two areas to find a place where you may just feel stuck. Um, I'll keep an eye on this because I'm a Leo ascendant and that's my, that's my first house ruler. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, we'll see. Um, so let's move forward. That's what I've got for Tuesday, the 13th. And we'll move forward to Wednesday. Okay, so on Wednesday, October the 14th, the moon starts out in Virgo in that balsamic phase. Again, the sun will start in that malefic enclosure that we talked about on Tuesday. Uh, the moon will be making an opposition to Neptune around 7.47 in the a.m. It will then trine Jupiter at 8.11 a.m., trine Pluto at 1.55 p.m. Eastern, and then make a trine to Saturn at 6.46 in the evening. So we have a, a lack of non-lunar aspects on Wednesday, but we are continuing our malefic enclosure of the sun. So it's that feeling of being stuck. Um, we do have trines after we get past the initial opposition to, to um, Neptune. So we may start the day off a little bit groggy, but then we may, may gain some ability to really be a little bit more discriminating in how we use our day, especially with that moon. In Virgo, this could be a great day for just weeding through the garbage, weeding through the BS, weeding through all of this stuff that isn't serving us anymore and uh, getting rid of what needs to go and, and acknowledging what needs to stay and be preserved. Um, I believe this is the day of the debate or it should have been, maybe it was the 15th. I'll have to look that up. Maybe somebody can tell me in the comments. Um, yeah, I think it's the 15th. So that would be Thursday. That would make sense because that's the time of the new moon. So that's what we've got for Wednesday, just some, some fairly harmonious aspects, but within the context of that malefic enclosure. All right. So let's move forward to Thursday, the 15th. Actually, the new moon's on Friday, the 16th. So I guess it doesn't matter either way. Uh, we're going to have some kind of debate or some kind of um, presidential experience 
<laughs> with a balsamic moon. So the energy level may not be as, uh, I don't know, as heightened as it was um, at the last one, which was, I believe it was, you know, closer to a, a waxing moon phase. All right. So let's move forward to Thursday. All right. On Thursday, October the 15th, um, the moon will be moving into Libra at 1.55 a.m., finishing the balsamic moon phase. It will enter the bond at 2.19 p.m. at 7 degrees of Libra. That's a condition where it, it's within 15 degrees of the sun, sort of like Mercury being under the beams. Uh, it's a place that's kind of holding um, significations captive. Remember, the moon was something that brings things into being and allows them to pass out. So it's, it's like, a, mm, I think of the moon as almost like a 3D printer you know, of life, uh, it, it, especially in the waxing phase. It's helping to create form. Um, we program it in with some kind of spiritual um, you know, impetus, and then it, it makes something out of it. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to make things when the moon is under the bond. So this may be a time where we're a little bit frustrated trying to bring something to fruition. It's probably, again, especially with the balsamic phase, a time just to let go of things and to just rest and to chill out and not push yourself when the moon moves under the bond. Now, the big news of the day on Thursday the 15th is that the sun will be making a square to Pluto. Yeah, rough, rough Sunday, rough sun, sun uh, week. <laughs> this is Thursday. Okay, so let's take a look at that. All right, we have this aspect here from the sun to Pluto. And that is uh, at 22 degrees of Libra and 22 degrees of Capricorn. Um, we're getting close to the point where we may be seeing some some energy of spica starting to come in. Spica is a really bright fixed star that's around 24 degrees of Libra. We'll talk about spica in depth on Friday, but spica gives some protection. Um, it's a fortunate fixed star that protects us against some of the more negative significations of things. It's it's associated with a gift or be gifted or talented. Um, but the sun is going to be making a difficult aspect to a planet associated with darkness, corruption, uh, with things erupting from the underworld. Last week when we had Mars making contact with, with Pluto by, by a square, that's when we got the news of the, the plot to kidnap uh, the governor of Michigan. Okay, so like an action that wanted to take place that was based on a nefarious underworld type of plot. Well, now, not only do we have this um, square with uh, Pluto, but we have Mars still making a whole sign square to Pluto. So it's almost like this T-square between uh, the Sun, Mars, and Pluto here. So not, not super fun energy right there. So this may bring into... Um, bring our leadership more into play. Now, this was actually still, this, this energy was, was, I'm thinking about this now. Um, we do have, um, we do have, the sun was present by whole sign in this configuration with Mars and Pluto when Mars made its, its, uh, 
its perfection to to Pluto. So I know I was saying that because it, it involved a leader. It involved a someone in a position of authority, some plot against them. So they were caught in this T-square. So we may see something else come out with some sort of leader that is either caught within some sort of scheme or a leader that is kind of activating their own particular nefarious um, plan or scheme or something like that, um, which I wouldn't put past uh, some of the folks in power right now in our country. Um, this is a place where we are exposing corruption. This is where we get into power struggles, where we're trying to command, but we may be commanding from a ruthless type of place. Um, you know, we have awareness of corruption in our systems of administration that I've been talking about with this third decan of Capricorn. Um, corruption of the archetypal father, right, that we were talking about with the son also. So something may come to light with the authority figures in our own life, not just in the collective. So, so be careful of how you wield your power um, and that you aren't abusing it and that you aren't manipulating people. Um, you know, this is a, Pluto is an energy that erupts from the underworld. Like this is kind of a, you know, things get exposed to the light. In, in the Hades story, he just like, the, the ground just opens up in this giant earthquake and cracks open and he comes up and he, and he kidnaps somebody. <laughs> I thought that was just, man. I'm not laughing because it's good, but I'm laughing because the Mars Pluto thing, and it was literally a kidnapping plan for 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 a p person in authority. Okay, so that the kidnapping associated with Pluto has played out quite a bit. We saw this with the the Sun opposing Pluto earlier in the year too, when we had government officials um, in unmarked vehicles abducting protesters on the West Coast. So that, that abduction energy is definitely a signification of Pluto. That has played out numerous times over the last, even just the last few months. So that has really solidified in my mind that that is really something to watch out for if you have Pluto contacts in your chart or if you see that happening in the collective. Okay, so again, use, use all of your good centering skills. Try not to get caught up in power struggles with people um, really think about the ramifications of your actions and whether you are uh, acting in a way that is, um, it has integrity or not. Now, let's move forward to Friday. Okay. On Friday, October the 16th, we are going to be seeing the moon become full. So the moon is in Libra. It's going to, to wax to fullness at 23 degrees of Libra at 3.31 in the p.m., okay, Eastern Standard Time, so in the afternoon. Now, there are a number of things to unpack with this full moon. Uh, full moon. <laughs> new moon. I wrote full moon. It's a new moon. Sometimes I'll just get in that zone when I'm doing my notes and something weird will come out. Thanks, Mercury. Um, so at this new moon... This is the, let's go right to the, let's, let's go right to the hour of it on our chart here. Okay. So around 3.30 PM, um, we've got the moon, you know, renewing itself. All right. Going into the furnace, going into the fires of Gnosis, some sort of seed, 
right? And what's being seeded is, is some new form. So what kind of things are we trying to bring into form in the third decade of Libra? Well, we're trying to bring an equilibrium into, into balance. We're trying to bring some sort of uh, justice, fairness, equality, peacefulness. We're trying to bring uh, a truce into place. So this is a time where we could see some negotiations starting to happen at this new moon, right? Um, you know, last week we saw something with the stimulus packages in America and Trump pulled out of those negotiations or, pull, or advised people to pull out of them and then reversed course after the stock market took a giant tumble. So maybe we revisit some of these negotiations with stimulus things since many Americans are struggling to pay their rent and pay their bills right now. Um, now, we do have a few uh, aspects that the moon will make before it goes full. It will make a square to Jupiter at 8.06 a.m., and then it will oppose Mars at 9.49 a.m. Uh, it will square Pluto at 1.22 p.m. And then after the full moon at 3.30 or so, it will square um, Saturn at 25 degrees of Capricorn and Libra. Now, we need to talk about um, a few things. Now, I'm, I'm sort of, one thing I am unclear on, is whether the moon breaks up the malefic enclosure or not. That's a possibility, but I'm, I'm going to kind of assume not. Uh, but if someone else has an opinion on that, I'd be, I'd be, I'm open to hearing it. Um, but we can think of maybe both the lights within malefic enclosure at this point. So, you know, our spirit, the sun, and the moon, our ability to manifest, are all kind of caught in this uh, difficult energy. Now, the good news, there is some good news at this new moon. It is very close to a very fortunate fixed star called Spica. And Spica is at 24 degrees of Libra. And there's another fixed star in the story uh, called Arcturus um, that we'll talk about as well. But let's start with Spica. And we'll go over to our star chart. And we'll go to our date here, the 16th. We can see here, there's the moon, the dark moon. There's the sun. They're in alignment with one another. And they are right on this fixed star, Spica. See that? Right in alignment with it. And Spica is, is the wheat ear. It is in the constellation Virgo. Uh, it is the... the, the um, consolidation or the the concentration point of the harvesting process. It's when we figure out what is the gift that we are um, taking with us after we've separated out the wheat from the chafe, right? It's what are we protecting? What, do, what did we gain from our period of growth? So this may be a, a moment also of reckoning too, where we, we're learning about what gift we actually have worked so hard to manifest over this last year or so, and it's been a tough year. Um, and maybe that gift, you know, maybe that gift is a new president. <laughs> like, cause I, I don't, if I look at my chart here, God, I hope so. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know how much more I could take of this, this dude. I just need a break. Um, but when does this, this uh, full moon happen. 
Yeah, the full moon. Yeah, full moon happens roughly, you know, a day or two before the election. So yeah, maybe maybe that is the gift that we get of some sort of, you know, new person in power. And it isn't going to be easy. That's that's the other thing I'm going to say here. It's going there's going to be some moments since the sun's in malefic enclosure that we're going to be like, oh my god, is this ever going to end? Or is this? Are we going to get what we want? You know, and it, it's looking like the the American people, for the most part, if you're not, uh, <laughs> if you're not a white supremacist or like racist or misinformed you you don't want this administration in power anymore and i i could be wrong there could be decent people out there that still support this president but your argument is pretty thin at this point um those of you who do uh so i don't i I don't want to get too far into that but here's what we got with this this new moon whichever way it goes we've got a gift that we've been working very hard towards and this, this fixed star was also called the Stella Maris or the star of the sea. It was a protective beacon against wild waves of desire. So even though we have all this chaos going on around us, this fixed star is giving us some protection at this new moon phase. And we may be gaining vitality this, this cycle by utilizing our gifts, utilizing our special talents that maybe only we possess, our unique individualism, uh, our unique uh, ability to, you know, create harmony. We may f- find that we get some benefits from authority figures uh, at this new moon. So, you know, thinking about that, extrapolating that out, this may be something where where we do see an agreement on a stimulus package that plays out in this lunar cycle, where we are receiving, you know, uh, you know, maybe another stimulus check or receiving more. Uh, unemployment benefits, or we're receiving some kind of small business things where the, the, there is some sort of support from people in authority. Now, there may still be arguments with it because of the malefic enclosure, but I do think that something like that could, could play out. Um, we have to craft our identity at this new moon with an awareness of being able to, uh, you know, being able to utilize those specific talents that we have. Okay, I'll try not to repeat myself too much here. But that's what we've got with Spica. Spica is just kind of this very fortunate fixed star. It's about receiving or giving gifts. So maybe what you do at this new moon is you, you get, gain an awareness of what your special gift is and how you can share your abilities with others. Now, it's not just about receiving, especially in Libra. It's how can you give your special gift to the world? How can you empower other people through your talents? How can you maybe alleviate other suffering? How can you educate people? How can, what do you have to give? I think that's what I would ask yourself at this new moon. What, what is it that you have that can uplift others and move us towards some sort of new shared reality that is better and that is more equal, more fair, that is creating harmony within the collective rather than division? What can you do personally to sow the seeds of unity? And I think that those are the questions that we'll start to ask ourselves at this new moon. Now, 
There's one other fixed star that comes into this story here. It's not as close to this particular full moon, but I, I would be remiss not to mention it, and it's Arcturus. And Arcturus is in alignment by project, projected ecliptical degree, uh, very similar in position. So it, its significations probably come in maybe a little bit later. But this is Butis or Butes. And Butes is the hunter. You can see he's got a spear in his hand here, who became a farmer. He's also holding a, a sickle. And he has hunting dogs, but he's also he was also thought to be pushing a plow. And here we have uh, Ursa Major, which is a great bear. Uh, he was also thought of as the guardian of the bear. But they also, the ancient civilizations thought of this as a plow as well. It's gone through some different metamorphoses. So Arcturus, being the brightest star in this constellation, talks about the transition from nomadic hunter-gatherer societies to our more agricultural society. And we gain vitality through embracing some sort of new paradigm. This is about a visionary shift in awareness and in consciousness, where we are commanding the sun through a more domestic and benevolent way of being. Okay, this is the plowsman. So this may be the beginning. I think this is, I think this is a really important new moon, really important one. This may be the beginning of a more um, uh, chivalrous uh, society. This may be the beginning of being able to interact in a way that is more harmonious, that is more uh, domesticated, right? And think about that. What archetype really are we seeing play out with our president right now? He's a Leo ascendant that has Mars in Leo on the ascendant. So we have a very martial, wildly passionate uh, person who is very feral. He can't be contained, right? He isn't very um, well-mannered. And we saw that in the, the presidential debate where he would not follow the rules. And he's, he's shown that that's his modus operandi throughout his presidency and probably throughout his life. And this may be the beginning of a discourse in the collective that is about civility, where we are taming that beast, so to speak. And I really think that, that, that we could see like, okay, now we, for, maybe his voice is silenced. Maybe his voice is more in the background and we are able, like we saw in the, vice presidential debate, it was, maybe it's a little more boring, but you know what? I'll take boring at this point. You know, I'll take it because it, it, sometimes what we think, we really misconstrue um, drama with like, you know, passion and excitement and all these things. And as I've gotten older, I'm really embracing those quiet moments where there isn't something dramatic happening Sometimes when you're just at peace and you're quote unquote bored, those moments are, are, are nice, <laughs> like, you know, cause the alternative is like, oh my God, I'm in this constant state of adrenaline stress. And I don't particularly enjoy that anymore. And I don't know if I ever did, but as a youthful person, like maybe I, I mis mistook, um, that excitement for like, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, but for, for, you know, what I should be doing, you know, if I, if, I, if something wasn't exciting, 
I may, oh, I'm too bored. This is too boring. I shouldn't do it. Well, I don't think that's always the case. I think that one of the comments people were making after the vice presidential debate is maybe we're seeing the future of politics after we've been bombarded by this Trumpism for this period of time. And that one isn't, it isn't as exciting, but it's just like actually people having some degree of respect for one another. Now, I will say this, Pence has gone to the Trump school of interrupting and not letting someone finish. But, you know, even, even though he has got, gotten that um, training, I would say, he still was at, at certain times much less uh, bombastic than Trump and, and still was able to somewhat acknowledge the humanity of the person across from him doesn't mean I support his policies. It doesn't mean that I think he's a good person. I think he's a liar. And I think that he's, in some regards, can be more dangerous than a person like Trump because he puts on a, 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 a you know, I don't know, a more genteel face to the corruption that he's hiding behind. And that can be equally as dangerous, you know, because it may put us and lull us into a sense of complacency. If nothing else, Trump has, has mobilized both his base and the people that are against him. So he does, you know, incite action one way or the other. And the, the danger, if we had someone like Pence in power, is getting lulled to sleep, literally, while those people in power take away everybody's rights and, you know, can you know, consolidate power for a white majority. And we can't allow that to happen either if we support equality. So I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. So that is what is going on with the new moon and with Spica and Arcturus. Um, I, regardless of the, the aspects that we have, this, this new moon gives me some hope. I, I feel hopeful at this new moon. And I think that, that there may be some, some real benefits that we see from this once we get out of this malefic enclosure and start, you know, figuring out how we can move forward as a culture and as a society. All right, let's go back to our chart and let's move forward to uh, Saturday. And put the sun back on the ascendant. All right. I'm going to shift my notes over one more time. So again, just to reiterate on that new moon, um, make sure that you are leaning. I would lean into Saturn. Honor your commitments. Honor your bonds. Like Act maturely. Act with uh, the long-range view in mind rather than the short-term gratification. It's okay to delay gratification. We're working for a long-term victory here, not, not just winning a battle. You want to be able to think strategically uh, at this new moon. And sometimes it may, it may um, necessitate making a compromise that isn't wholly satisfying. I want to show you. I, here's my voting sticker. Here's the compromise I'm talking about here with this new moon. I voted. And I voted this week and I dropped my, my ballot off in a ballot box after filling it out. Uh, and I voted for Joe Biden. And I don't necessarily agree with everything that he represents, 
I'm probably much more liberal than uh, your average Joe Biden supporter. Uh, you know, I, I like the things that were put out by people like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and AOC. Um, but I had to swallow hard and do my civic duty. And I voted for him because I, I feel like the alternative right now is unacceptable to me. And I'm doing it with a long range mindset. And that mindset is that get the, the active threat to democracy out of the White House and out of our consciousness and get the person who is actively inciting white supremacists to violence out of the spotlight. And then hold the new leadership, hold their feet to the fire for the more, you know, I would say more progressive changes that want to be seen moving forward. You know, there, Kamala Harris is even a, a controversial figure. There are some people that think that she's not liberal enough with her prosecution record in California. Like the whole time Mike Pence was like, this is the most liberal senator ever. I was like laughing because I, I don't actually think that's the case. I think that she's, you know, more towards the center than, than a lot of senators like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren in particular and uh, AOC. So I, I don't think that she's the most liberal sen senator out there. And a lot of people were disappointed with her pick actually because she wasn't liberal enough. Um, but I will say that you have to take the long range view with this. In my personal opinion, the, the whole of democracy is completely under threat with the person that we have in office right now. And I have to swallow hard and make a tough decision to do what I can at this moment to do the next step. I think this is the thing. Do the next, do the step without being overly attached to the outcome. That was what, what the I Ching said this week was saying, you know what? You got to take the step. You got you to gotta get out and vote. You got to vote. You know, I, I really, this may be the last time you actually get to vote if this person remains in office. And I take that really seriously. I've voted in every single election that I've been eligible to since I was 18 years old. And I take that responsibility really seriously. And there's nothing that upsets me more than the apathy that goes along with not participating in that system and then complaining about it. Now, I got into some conflicts with some people about voting versus not voting. And, and then people are entitled to that opinion. This is something I just feel really strongly about. And I know that a lot of you are not really into supporting someone like Biden for a number of reasons. And I, I hear you on that. And I feel you on that. He is definitely not ideal. He would not be my first choice. He wouldn't be my second choice. But again, I really do feel in this circumstance, not voting is equivalent to a vote for Donald Trump. I just, I kind of, I feel that there is one action that will remove him, that will be a step towards removing him from the White House. And that's voting for Joe Biden. By not voting, you are not taking any additional steps towards removing the, the abuser from the White House. And some of you that are even more on the far left of the political spectrum will be like, well, then the, the centrist gets elected and then nothing changes. And, and that's a valid argument. 
but that's why it doesn't end with your vote. Your vote is the first step. The next step is to hold that leader just as accountable as we are attempting to hold someone like Trump. But you're, you're not going to get a guy like Trump to ever listen to you. You may get a person like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris to hear you if you say the same exact things that you are saying. And eventually that agenda may be able to be pushed forward incrementally over time. I don't really like the whole, like, let the whole thing crumble type of mindset. There's a lot of collateral damage with that. There are some of us that are in positions that are much more vulnerable with that type of mindset than others. And this was another part of the thing that I got into a conflict with, with a particular person about this, is some, some people have, have land in the country and some have like an ability to maybe weather a storm or they may be of a certain demographic that isn't as vulnerable as others. I particularly have a partner who is black. And to me, she is at the, the very most vulnerable of our population right now. And another four years of Donald Trump does not give me any sort of feelings of safety or, or, or her a feeling of you know, being able to just go outside and not and think about whether uh, a racist militia group has been riled up by Donald Trump telling them to stand, you know, stand back and stand by. And I also live in an urban area. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to escape the, you know, if people, if the shit hits the fan, us, those of us in urban areas aren't going to be able to weather that that storm as easily or things like COVID and things like that. So there are vulnerable populations right now that really, I think, need your help and need your vote. And that's why I'm just, I'm not in support of just sitting out an election. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know how else to, to frame it. Um, yeah, on some level, like it's, it's, easy when you come from a, a place of privilege to be able to say, I'm just not going to participate because you, you aren't in as much in the line of fire. And yeah, maybe you're saying that you have the, the long-term view in place as well, but what, what are we willing to, what collateral damage are you willing to accept? Are you willing to accept more people of color being murdered for your, or your societal collapse? Is that what you're willing to accept by not voting and letting, you know, letting it quote unquote all burn to the ground? I'm not willing to accept that. So that's where I stand on that at this moment. Um, and I don't completely agree with how our government works. I think our, you know, our American democracy is, has many flaws and needs is in deep need of reform, but I'm going to take the next action that I can take and then the next one after that. And that's all I can do. And that's all we can do in the moment. You know, we, we, we can't, um, you know, always accelerate and expect growth and change to happen uh, exactly when we want it to. We, sometimes we have to play the game a little bit. And if the game doesn't work, then we take the next step. Okay, I think the first step is voting. If you vote and like, here's the thing. If we vote and Donald Trump doesn't respect the results of the election 
and tries to stay in power, then there's a next step that comes after that about, you know, removing him from power or whatever we have to do to deal with that reality. But if we don't actually vote, that's a, that's something that um, we didn't take the one, one next step that we could. So anyway, I'll stop belaboring that point, but please, if you haven't voted, please go vote. If you're an American that is eligible to vote, I think it's super, super important. Um, I think the, the fabric of our very, you know, democracy is at stake and please don't misconstrue that from me supporting, you know, a centrist, you know, democratic agenda either. Uh, I'm pretty, like I said, I'm pretty liberal and I, uh, support some of those more liberal agendas and I will continue to like support those things and, and fight for equality and for climate, you know, awareness and things like that, because those are the issues that we really have to start focusing on, especially the climate issue. Um, and it's all related how we treat each other. It really matters. And how we treat the environment is a, is an, you know, a reflection of that as well. Okay. So let's move forward to Saturday, October the 17th. On Saturday the 17th, the moon is going to move into Scorpio at 1.05 a.m., continuing the new moon phase. It is still under the bond, I believe. When does it escape the bond? Mm, I wonder if I wrote this in my notes here. I don't think I did. Well, let's, let's look at it. So if we are going to look at where the sun or the moon is going to be 15 degrees of separation, okay, from the, the sun, okay, it happens at about 10 degrees, whoops, oh boy, now we're just going crazy here, happens at about 10 degrees, and I believe that does happen on Saturday, yeah, that's going to happen on Saturday evening as the moon is going to escape the bond, we're first going to see an opposition between the moon and Uranus, at 3.37 p.m. at 9 degrees of Scorpio and Taurus. And then the moon is going to conjoin uh, Mercury retrograde at 5.52 p.m. And that's that's around the moment where it escapes the bond. So that's interesting that the first aspect that we have is a conjunction with that Mercury retrograde. So something around Saturday is going to be revisited. Something that we, you know, earlier in the week that we probably had to deal with uh, we may have to go back and see, you know, you know, revisit some kind of communication, revisit some kind of like, I don't know, bond that we emotion, deep emotional bond that we have with someone or some group and, and potentially deal with it from a different perspective. So that's what we've got with lunar aspects. Now, the other thing, excuse me, that we have going on on Saturday is Mars is going to retrograde back into the second decan of Aries. Now, this is a decan it's own, in its own domicile, so it's its own ruler, but the sun is its exaltation lord, and, and that is it's having a conflict with its exaltation lord. Uh, it is the face rulers of this particular decan are both the, the sun in both the Chaldean and the triplicity system as well. So this is a very solar decan. Okay, this is all about leadership, about kings. Uh, Austin Coppett calls it the crown. Book of Toth calls it virtue. And Book T says it's established strength. And we see the three of wands associated with this, where a figure has uh, established who he is 
versus who he is not in the first Deccan. And now he has kind of sent his ships out into the world. And he's this, this, this particular card was talked about uh, with world creation, like creating your own world, sending your ships out into the world and your, your particular viewpoint. Okay. Um, so th with it being retrograde though, you know, potentially we may feel trapped in a world not necessarily of our own making. And I think that's true with COVID and things like that. And, and with the, this, this choice that we have in our election, we feel maybe trapped in this world where we have a choice that isn't, you know, the greatest choice in the world, but we've got to kind of suck it up and do it, you know. Um, there are a few fixed stars in this decade called uh we have one at 13 degrees of aries called alderaman which is part is the alpha star in cepheus the king part of the royal family that we see in the sky and then 14 degrees is associated uh with uh, the fixed star alpharets which is the alpha star in andromeda that is the princess so again th that theme of royalty the royal family is accentuated in this particular um this particular uh, decan now, at 19 degrees of Aries, this is the degree of exaltation for the sun. So the only danger we have with Mars here is we can't, uh, we can't mistake Mars, the general, for the king. So, you know, we're going to be trying to command, but, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, it may not be the right person in charge. You know what I'm saying? Like we may be trying to like move forward with something, but it may be like that we've got a general in charge rather than a royal king. So just be careful on how you're trying to take action and how you're trying to move forward um, because the actual king is in rough shape right now. All right. So that's what we've got on Saturday, the 17th. Let's finish up our forecast and talk about the 18th. So on Sunday, October the 18th, the moon will move into Scorpio, or moon is in Scorpio, continuing the new moon phase. Now, one interesting thing happens, as I, I told you about this earlier in the forecast, but Mercury moves under the sun's beams on Sunday the 18th at about 5 a.m. Eastern time. So Mercury enters the underworld, maybe more difficult to have communications, or we may have more communications behind the scenes. We're, we're going into the depths uh, to be able to figure out how to come to some kind of consensus, how to create that peace, how to utilize those gifts. How are we going to deal with eliminating uh, that which needs to go and appreciating that which needs to stay? Um, the moon is making a number of aspects on Sunday. It's going to sextile Venus at 6 a.m. at 18 degrees of Scorpio and Virgo. It's going to trine Neptune at 7.30 a.m. Uh, it, it will sextile Jupiter at 7.38 a.m. It will then sextile uh, Pluto at 12.42 and then finish off its aspects with a sextile to Saturn at 5.42 in the evening. So harmonious aspects with the moon and uh, the rest of the planet. So there is that sextiles and trines on Sunday, but, but, and it's a big one. We have two challenging aspects between the other planets. We have a, a Saturn sun square that perfects at 9.57 AM, which hopefully will begin to break up that malefic enclosure that we talked about. 
That happens at 25 degrees of uh, Libra and Capricorn. And this is uh, where we're seeing uh, attempts at making peace, potentially running into that brick wall and running into the cosmic no, running into the limitations. Now, the sun is in the overcoming position, so that is one thing in favor of peacefulness. Um, but it's still, uh, it's still a difficult aspect for the sun to make. This may be where we really feel the inhibited vitality, um, where we have some pessimism over our systemic oppression. We may be shining the light of awareness on the restrictions or limitations that we have. Um, but uh, well, in addition, some awareness of some of the duties that we have, the difficulties that we are experiencing with our responsibilities. Now, the good news is, is that this is the moment, I think, 9.57 a.m. Eastern, where we start to, you know, get some relief from that. All week, we're going to have this applying uh, square between the sun and Saturn after it is separating from Mars. So we're going to have some kind of thing that, that sparks our anger, that makes us realize and feel depressed throughout the week that we may start to get relief from on Sunday the 18th, okay? Okay, the other aspect that we have going on is Venus is going to be opposing Neptune at 10.48 a.m. And this, you know, the lead up to these, you know, Hellenistic astrology uses an aspect of about, or an orb of about three degrees when, when a, an aspect is perfecting. So whenever these planets are within three degrees of one another, they're you know, really that, that energy is intensifying. It starts when the planets move into whole sign relationship with one another, but we really see it starting to play out within the three degree aspect. So we, we could be experiencing some romantic illusion uh, about uh, how we are going to bring something into form uh, with the second decan of Virgo here. Um, Remember that that second decan of Libra, or of sorry, Libra of Pisces, is about becoming satisfied with imperfection. So we may be trying to, like you know, in our relationships, we may be really idealistic about what we are attempting to manifest, and it may be difficult because we are seeing what could be. So I would say it's really it's really important that you get come to terms with what is versus what could be in your relationships and not get overly perfectionistic about manifesting that divine idealism in the material form. Now, there's this, this, this uh, Japanese quality or this Japanese concept called wabi-sabi, where they, in, in artistic things, they leave a little bit of nature's quote-unquote imperfection to show the divinity of that thing that they've created. They're leaving a little bit of nature to complete it. And I think that's one thing to, to think about with Venus and Neptune making this opposition here is leave, leave a little bit of room for the divine to, to complete whatever you're working on. Don't feel like you have to kind of completely like scrub the thing to, to death or sand it to death or like it, have it only have completely straight lines and things like that. Leave a little wiggle leave a little bit of a rough edge, you know, and that's true when you're relating to someone too. leave a little bit of room for that person to surprise you. You don't have to completely uh, 
you know, scrub away all of their imperfections. Some of that may be uh, what you need in your relationship. Some of that may be some of the beauty of their of why you're with them or or the divinity of the the relationship itself. And when we try to completely eliminate all those things or or criticize them away, that's when we get to the point where we may just lose that divine spark altogether. I, I compare this to my younger self, and I've said this a number of times on our forecast here, erasing a hole in the page. You know, don't erase a hole in your relationships by trying to uh, only be satisfied when it is reflective of that divine ideal that can only be achieved through our imaginations. Okay, that's just part of the reality of things manifesting into form is that they will be imperfect. They will come to fruition and they will decay. And it's hard to like uh, accept that as spirit souls. It's the same thing with our bodies. We're infused in these bodies. And sometimes we don't accept the fact that they will, we will grow to power, but will also decay. And we, a lot of our adult lives are spent trying to delay that. Uh, I know that I'm at 40 years old, I'm starting to see gravity start to take over in certain areas. And, you know, we have to work a little bit harder to, to stave off entropy and things like that. On some level, I've learned to accept it. On another level, it bothers me, you know, as it does everybody, I think, on, on, to a certain degree. Um, but again, not trying to uh, get obsessed with the divine ideal that you're trying to manifest um, in that material form. Okay. And just to finish off the week here, Mercury is going to retrograde back into the first decan of Scorpio. So we talked a little bit about that five of cups, where we are really may, going to be re-examining or revisiting some of the things that we're, we've lost. And, and maybe we didn't properly mourn something. Maybe we really didn't uh, take the necessary time to let go and then, and then also to appreciate what we still had. Um, a lot of times we can move forward after a loss too quickly. And that can, that can make it so that we haven't completely tied up the loose ends with the last uh, cycle. And we can bring that energy into the new thing that we're trying to manifest. And that can really create a lot of problems. Um, like if you, let's say you haven't properly mourned the loss of an old relationship and you start a new one, but you continually talk about your ex, <laughs> that can sabotage the new relationship quite a bit. So if instead you took the proper time to mourn the loss of that relationship so that you weren't obsessed with your ex before you started a new relationship, uh, you might find that, that you would get something better, that you would have a healthier perspective on relating to that new person that isn't couched on still processing the old thing. So that's what we may be experiencing too with Mercury retrograde. And that happens back into the uh, first second at about 8.30 p.m. All right, so that's what I've got for this week. Looking ahead to next week, um, Mars is going to square Jupiter uh, on Monday. Venus is going to make a trine to, to Jupiter as well. So we've got a square and a trine. <laughs> so we'll see good and bad there. Uh, Mercury is going to retrograde back into that opposition with Uranus on Monday the 19th. Um, Venus will move into the third decan of Virgo. On Tuesday, the 20th, Venus will conjoin the fixed star Denebola. And then on Wednesday, the 21st, Venus will be making a trine to Pluto. And on Thursday, the 22nd, 
the sun will move into Scorpio. So we'll get out of this position of fall on the 22nd. Uh, Venus will conjoin the fixed star Alkis at 23 Virgo. On Friday, the 23rd, we'll have our first quarter moon uh, with the moon squaring the sun at, 20, at zero degrees of, of Aquarius and zero degrees of Scorpio. Jupiter moves into a new decan next Friday uh, in, uh, in the um, third decan of Capricorn, the four of pentacles we'll talk about. And then on our weekend, we'll see uh, Venus trining Saturn and we'll finish off the week next week with the Kazemi of Mercury and the sun. So Mercury will get its rebirth moment uh, on the 25th. So that's what I've got for you this week. I hope that you're all doing well out there. Remember to maintain that peaceful center, regardless of what's spinning around you. Um, we can't always change all the events that come into uh, our awareness. We can filter them, I think, and we can choose uh, how big the aperture is that the things will come in. I'm not telling you to ignore the reality around you because a lot of you, we need you right now. We need you to take action and not completely escape off into whatever um, whatever makes you feel peaceful. You got It's kind of like you got to stay engaged, but you also have to take some time to rest up for the next thing that you have to do and connect with that center because there is definitely a, a peaceful, calm center that, that nobody will ever be able to take away from you. And regardless of who you voted for, or who's in power, or what uh, corruption is or isn't happening out in the world, there's always, you'll always have that within you. And, you know, try to connect with that as much as you can over the next week or so. If you are enjoying what you are hearing, please make sure that you are liking and subscribing here to Spencer Michelle Astrology. I do have a few donation links that you can contribute to my work that I do here. Um, that is how I'm receiving support right now is through those donation links rather than through something like a Patreon yet that still may be coming. Um, another way that you can support my work is through uh, scheduling a reading. I have a new scheduling service through Acuity Scheduling where I'm offering a number of new readings and new, new ways to, to get a reading. Um, there's deluxe readings with fixed stars and decans and timing techniques um, there's ones that are a little bit more pared down. There's, there's all sorts of different levels. Um, if you want to reach out and you're having financial hardship, I'd be willing to, to do a sliding scale for my readings as well. I don't want to make them inaccessible to people. Um, so, you know, make sure that you reach out if that's something that you're interested in, but you can't afford the, the prices that I have listed there. I did bump my prices up a little bit to be able to pay for some of the scheduling software that I was using. So, Sometimes we have overhead costs involved with that. But anyway, that's what I've got for this week. Hang in there and uh, I will see you the next time and be kind to one another. That is the, the key. Uh, you know, being able to have that peace inside yourself first will lead to being able to, to find peace with other people as well. So take care, everyone.